0: I remembered, I didn't, hadn't switched my microphone on yet, so I didn't want to say anything. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. Uh, my name is Michael Glenn. I'm the worship pastor here at New Hope Church, and I love it. I love leading worship. Uh, music moves me. I love the result of a group of musicians getting together, and in the process of playing together, they, they create something, it's like. like they, something that has its own influence and ability to move people. Now, especially back in my younger days, I played more jazz music. It was very obvious that when you made music with your friends, it wasn't you, it wasn't theirs, it wasn't hers. Somehow, the music that you made became its own thing that had the power to move people. Um, and yet, it required devotion and attention from everybody involved in making it. Now, I have come to understand, church, that everything I just said about music is also true of worship watch with me. Now, first of all, worship moves me for sure, and I love how the result of when groups of worshipers get together. When we get together, God creates his own thing. It's something else, and his power and his his um, character inhabit it. Now, and worship at New Hope is out of every, any one person's control. Mike didn't make worship happen. When I'm leading here, and it doesn't f- I can, I can assure you, it doesn't feel like I'm doing it, right? God is making worship among us, and we should love it. We should love to worship, and I know many of you do. I know you do. But even more important than that, we should love the object of our worship, the one and only Jesus Christ, whose name is above every name. May all praise and honor be his forever and ever, and all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity you have given us here this morning to dig into your word, to look at this Psalm 103 together. God, I pray that your spirit would infuse our time together. So where I may be unclear, you can be clear and, 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 and deliver this information with grace. Allow us all to sit in humility before the truth of your inerrant word together. Build us up, God. Form us into the church you would have us be. We pray this, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. What a glorious beginning to this psalm. Bless the Lord. But it's even more glorious, church, when you understand the context. The general arc of the entire book of Psalms, scholars and commentators pretty much agree on this, that the the book of Psalms is ordered on purpose. The people that collected the book of Psalms, they didn't take all 150 of them, shake them up, and just kind of dump them out, and you get what you get. There is an order, there's a logic, there's a progression to the book. The first two Psalms are introductions, and then from three... To 89, what you get mostly, you get Psalms celebrating the, the earthly kingdom that God has made under the rule of King David. But at beginning at Psalm 90, there's a shift. The Psalms begin to address a particularly distressing truth. David's kingdom, the earthly kingdom that God established through him, has failed to meet It's lofty goals. Now, I don't want to mischaracterize Psalm 90 to 102. There's a lot of beautiful, encouraging worship in there. But you also begin to get verses like this sprinkled in. Look at Psalm 94, three through seven. How long, O Lord, will the wicked, how long will the wicked be jubilant? They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the foreigner. They murder the fatherless. They say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob takes no notice. This is the point. This should not be happening, right? This does not happen under God's perfect justice system, okay? Okay? So the result is that hope is beginning to wane for God's people. The peace and justice that was thought to come through King David didn't. And in Psalm 102, we have a full-blown meltdown. We're looking at Psalm 103. Listen to how Psalm 102 begins. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call. Answer me quickly. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Indeed, I forget to eat my bread because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. From this state of things, out of this pit of despair, After surveying our surroundings, we're seeing violence and injustice and the celebration of wickedness. After acknowledging the effect it has on us to the point where we are forgetting to eat, out of that pit of despair, we get, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. A few unique things about Psalm 103 there is not one complaint, not one lament, there is not one request. The psalmist does not ask God for anything. It is all declarative praise and adoration. Nothing is spoken to God. You can't say those three things about any of the other psalms in the whole book. The very nature of this psalm reinforces and emphasizes the meaning of blessing. During the COVID outbreak, when New Hope staff had to relocate home, I took the speaker system that is in my office back here home with me so I could work in a better environment. Now, it's something that is kind of precious to me. I bought it with my wedding money. All right. It's been going with me everywhere I've worked as a musician. I've taken that with, and I love it. And when it came time for us to move back to the church, um, I was, wow, I'd really like to keep this system, speaker system at home. And so I asked New Hope Leadership if New Hope had the means to get a similar system so I could leave mine at home, and I got the green light, and the speaker showed up here just this week. I got it all set up. It sounds amazing. Sounds really, really good. Uh, So Wednesday we have our staff meeting, which of course is properly social distance. Our properly social distance staff meeting. After, I asked one of our worship team members if she wanted to come and have a listen, because I like to do that kind of thing. You know, sounds really good. You want to come listen? And uh, she agreed. We came back here, and um, she is a beautiful voice. She's on the worship team. She has a wonderful heart for God. And she's also... In an almost indescribably difficult season of her life. It's gut wrenching. Now, my family, we, we pray for her almost every day. Um, so I, I took her back here, and I got the system all set up, and I, I stepped back um, to give her a chance to pick a song that she wanted to do. Um, so she looked through Spotify and picked up the song. It's called Never Lost. And uh, she turned it up, which I appreciate because if you're going to listen to a good worship song, it should be loud. That's what I think. And she turned this thing on. And as this encouraging anthem of God's praise and encouragement rang out in my office, I was standing from behind her, I don't know, 20 seconds into this thing, she just closed her eyes, raised her hands, and blessed the Lord all by herself. That kind of faith strengthens me. It inspires me. You know, we too often reduce reduce the term share your faith to mean something exclusive to evangelism. As a worship pastor, this bothers me. There are many ways we can share our faith. New Hope, that display that I got to witness, that that worshiper with her heart Arms up in the air in the difficult, trying season. That was a profound sharing of faith. And I enjoy watching the faith God builds into you. My encouragement to you would be, don't hide it. Let it rip. Let people see it. Be willing to share it. To bless the Lord, what is that? Well, to bless is the opposite of to blast Theme. I really like that. When I heard that this week studying, it really popped off the page and I thought how helpful it is to understand what it means to bless. Because let's be honest, we throw that word blessing around all the time. To bless is the opposite of blaspheme. And one way we can understand blaspheme, and I I guess I want to make something clear. The idea of blaspheme is a complicated Thing. I, I, I'm not going to get too deep into this. I just, I'm just going to touch on it, so I'm only going to look at a, a specific understanding of blasphemy. This isn't the totality of the theology of it, okay? And I want to give you that impression. But in one sense we can understand blasphemy' simply this. The word literally means to take lightly. It's to take lightly. Um, now it has been said, for example, that the opposite of love is not hate. Have you anybody heard this? but apathy. The opposite of love is not hate, but apathy. And it's easy to prove because if, if you hate, you obviously care about something because something that you care about is causing you to hate. If you're apathetic, if you simply don't care, that's the opposite of um, loving. To blaspheme God in this sense, to blaspheme God is to be so apathetic. It's to be so unconcerned with God, he doesn't even make you mad. So imagine you're doing something. You're doing something at home or at work, and it's not just anything. It's something that you're skilled at. Let's say you're a good cook or you like to tinker around with technology stuff, right? And somebody comes to you to help you with the task, but not just anybody, like a genius. So let's say you're at your grill and you're cooking up a steak and Gordon Ramsay walks in or the barefoot Contesta strolls in, right? Or um, you happen to be doing something at your job, you're tinkering with some technology and Elon Musk shows up in his Tesla, right? And he comes to help you out. Or I'm sitting at the piano, for example, here and uh, Hans Zimmer, like. movie composer, sits down on the bench next to me to help me work through some musical issues I'm having for a service. Picture yourself in that moment. Now, what if I just completely dismiss him? It doesn't even upset me that he sits down there. First of all, that's stupid on my part, right? But it's also an ultimate insult to that person. So, God is great, Psalm 95. His words are powerful, Hebrews 4. His grace is glorious, Ephesians 1. These are all weighty things, not light. We're not taking him lightly. The term bless the Lord is first and primarily a call to worship. The term bless the Lord is first and primarily a call to worship. We have a historical account of of King David using this term, bless the Lord, um, as a call of worship. It's recorded in 1 Chronicles. Take a look with me. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Then David said to the assembly, now bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. So what did this assembly do in response to the command to bless the Lord. They spoke. They worshiped out loud, out loud. When a blessing occurs, church, something is spoken or an action is taken. That's the point. It's the same with blaspheme. You speak blaspheme, you speak blessing out loud. We learn in the Bible too, when God blesses, he speaks. Look at me with these two verses from Genesis. God blessed them saying, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas, let the birds multiply on the earth." Genesis 9, and God blessed Noah and his sons, and said to him, "This is intuitive, right? I mean, if you're, when you're reading your Bible like I am and you're, you're going through and you see God blesses blank, Joseph, Daniel, David, whoever it is, and it says God blesses them, but it doesn't give you anything specific, don't you conclude that God is doing something for them? Like in your own mind? Am I the only one? Right? Doesn't that kind of make sense? You don't associate the idea of blessing with just being some sort of warm feeling on the inside. So if that's the case... If I'm making the case it's not a warm feeling, how do we bless God? It's a great question, right? Well, let me help you understand what it means to bless the Lord by first talking about how God blesses us. When God blesses, it's different. He is powerful to impart and impugn good things to you. His words do that. He can recreate, resurrect, heal, empower, forgive, With the mere words of his voice, he adds to us, changes us, lifts us. We don't bless God like that. Can we all agree? We can't do that. We don't lift God. We don't change God. We bless God by making much of his blessings. That's how you bless God. When we declare, bless the Lord, as we see in Psalm 103 here, we are encouraging, we're encouraging someone to uh, the act of speaking and declaring the good, gracious blessings of God. So while, look, there is nothing wrong, and I've heard it many times, while there is nothing wrong with saying, bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord, or bless you, Jesus, there's nothing wrong with that. We, we can't really say that's entirely honest to the biblical meaning of what it means. When we say, bless the Lord, we're, in, it's, we're calling someone or something to worship God. It's a call. So a call kind of demands a response. So do you guys want to give it a try? All right. All right. Get ready. It's so, a uh, congregational participation moment. But I'm going to even make it easy for you. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Ready? Okay, so Michael, bless the Lord. I'm more than happy to testify to you, to anyone else who is willing to listen, that there's no doubt in my mind that in the most difficult and painful moments of my life, God has been absolutely the closest to me and been the source of the strength that has gotten me through. I just blessed the Lord. That was kind of a long one, all right? Uh, Better yet, all right? Here's another way we can do it. You can use scripture. Aha, we can pull a verse out of our psalm and use it in the act of blessing the Lord, okay? Example number two, Michael, bless the Lord. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, and abounding bounding in loving kindness. I just blessed the Lord. So let's do it. I say we do it together. Let's be a little raucous about it, okay? I know everybody likes to be kind of polite and tame in church, but every once in a while, it would be nice if we were a little rowdy. All right? So I'm going to, I'm just going to ask you to bless the Lord. Now, I gave a long one and a short one just for the sake of time. Just think of something that you can speak out loud. I won't see your lips moving, so I won't know. So look at the bright side. All right, you know, I have masks on. Even try it at home if you're streaming. Go ahead, say it out loud. Think of something little that you can say about God's blessings. Are we ready? That was not the kind of enthusiasm I was looking for. Are we ready? Okay, new hope. This is important. (laughs) New hope. Bless the Lord. Yeah, we just bless the Lord. that. We just fulfilled the imperative of Psalm 103.1. So bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. All, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Wow, this is starting to sound kind of familiar. For those of you who know your Bible, this imperative that we are have to bless the Lord mirrors and reflects what we call the greatest commandment. Take a look with me. Jesus says it in Psalm. I mean, sorry, in Matthew twenty-two, Jesus said, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." This is the first. And the great and foremost commandment. Do you see how that mirrors what we have here? We are supposed to bless the Lord with all. This church is undivided worship. That's what all means, it's undivided. We don't reserve little pieces of our mind, our heart, our mind, our soul for for something else. God asks us to take everything in our life and rearrange it, structure it, and point it in his direction. There's my mind, here's my soul, I'm working on it, God, I'm pointing it up this way. Everything that was in me, it's all, it's undivided. We don't have divided intentions and thoughts. Um, I competed in gymnastics in high school. Those of you who know me know that I'm I'm something of a thrill seeker, so I'm hurt most of the time from doing something kind of dumb. My arm hurts right now, but I'm not going to complain about it. Too late. Anyway, um, I'm 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 trying to mature out of it now that I'm in my mid-40s. For example, I don't do any more joy jumps off my uh, first-story roof after I'm done hanging my Christmas lights. Because I'm fearful I'll break when I hit the ground. So, but I was younger, I was kind of hard to hold back. I love uh, gymnastics, and particularly I want to share with you what the experience of what it is like learning a new or difficult or might I even say dangerous skill. All right. There was something that we used to help us learn a uh, a new skill, and it was called the belt. That's all we called it. The belt. And it was a thick belt that went around your waist and it had steel rings on. I know some gymnasts are nodding at me in here. Steel rings on the side and sometimes you even have like a ball bearing system in it so you can spin in it even. Now just imagine if you will and on these steel uh, loops you would attach a rope and the rope would go all the way up to <coughs> the ceiling of the gym attached to a pulley system and the go over here and then the person there'd be a person standing on the ground holding the ropes so w- when they pulled on it they could help prevent your face from plastering into an 8 foot an 8 inch mat from 12 feet up in the air that was the point of the person pulling on the thing now if you can't if you couldn't visualize that that's fine it's not a, not important for you but just hang in there with me so you learn this new skill you put on the belt, and you had the assurance of the person holding the ropes. You could get up there. Let's just say you're jumping up on the high bar. You, f- 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 you fly off the thing, and you try, and it's like, oh, no. And it looks like you're going to spear. The, the person on the you know, pulls on the rope, and you're fine. And you do it again and again until you feel you've done a great job. You have it, and then you get the blessing of the rope person. The coach asks the rope person, hey, does he have it? The rope person, yes. Yeah, I'm not really pulling on it. He's got it all on his own. At some point, you have to do it without the belt and risk the potential disastrous effects of gravity. So you jump up on the bar. And in my gym, this is what we did. And in retrospect, I think my coach did this just to, I don't know, either prepare us for the pressure of competition or just to mess with us. (laughs) But everybody would stop working out in the gym, the whole gym would stop. They would turn the music off and everybody would stand there and watch you. So you jump up on this bar. And here's the thing. I have no memory of in that quiet moment right before I'm about to go for a dangerous skill, I have no memory of ever worrying about an overdue English assignment. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I, I misplaced my keys in my wallet in high school almost on a daily basis. I never remember jumping up on that bar thinking, I wonder where my keys are because I was undivided. I kinda had to be. I had a heart, I needed to deploy the passion, the heart. Wait, remind yourself, Michael, you want to be here. Do this, don't embarrass yourself. Um, I have a soul, I might pray, Jesus, if I were to break my neck, may there be no high bars in heaven, right? And I have a mind and I'm focused on what I'm doing. This is a, a picture, if you will, of undivided worship. Uh, the expo- Expositor's Bible Commentary on the Psalms sums up this idea very simply. It says this, in Hebraic thought, the worshiper praises the Lord with his or her entire being. Let all that is within me bless his holy name. And um, this admonition of undivided worship is so important, church. I do want to give you one more scriptural example and mention a few more things about it. Look at Isaiah 29 very clear here Isaiah 29 The Lord said Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service but they remove their hearts far from me This is an admonition and and I think this is obvious and evident right The Lord isn't admonishing us for using our words Okay? It's not the fact that words are being spoken in worship. In fact, I just stood up here a few minutes ago and told you that blessing the Lord is speaking something out loud. So that's not what God is upset about. Our admonition from the verse is this. When a heart is divided, when our devotion to God is divided, the words or the blessing of a hypocritical worshiper, if you want to call it that, does not even qualify as worship in God's book. He doesn't even receive it as praise. And I think we understand this, really. I know this is a little dark. Hang in there with me. All right. Um, if I'm able to convince someone that I love them with enough skill that they actually believe it, but in actuality, okay, I'm just looking for, uh, looking for a reputation boost or I'm looking for some other game of some, ti- some type, That's not good. I mean, how many TV show plots and movie plots are all about this? Oh, I love you, but in actuality, I'm working out this over here. And then hearts get broken and everything like that. I mean, and we all conclude culturally, socially bad. That's nasty. Now, it's akin to betrayal. And when we tell stories like this between two people, we know it's bad. But what we're talking about now is this sort of hypocrisy and division of our heart between a person and Almighty God. Now, God has earned um, our undivided worship. Amen. So here's the thing: be honest with him. If you're sad, be sad. If you're angry, be angry. He can handle it. If you're joyful, be joyful. Do you notice that the command to be undivided has nothing to do with your state? Just be who you are. I, I could stay here for the rest of the day and point out to you from the Bible, example after example after example, of God being overwhelmingly kind to a worshiper, even when they're a brat. He's very kind and loving that way. Now, notice the elements. Notice the tools that we are to, to deploy. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, Let all that is within me bless his holy name. What are we talking about here? I want to point you back to the great commandment, and I want you to take special notice of the things we are supposed to deploy to love God with all our heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. Look how that mirrors our psalm, all that is within me. We can't control what happens outside of us, right? Hopefully I'm not breaking the news to anybody. You can't control us outside of you. How many of you, if you could, would just you snap your fingers and get rid of this virus? Would you do it? I'd do it. Maybe if we all did it together. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's not true. But of course, we can't control that. Here's what I want you to glean off that. What... If Jesus had said, love the Lord with your house and you end up homeless, what if he had said, love the Lord with your children and you end up with a prodigal? What if he said, love the Lord with your money and you end up broke? God is so good and so gracious. He understands us. The things we are commanded to love the Lord with in the greatest commandment are all internal. The things that we are commanded to ask to love the God with love God with in the greatest commandment are all internal, and that's reflected in our psalm. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. And what that means is that you can bless the Lord anytime, anywhere under any set of circumstances. Do you realize how unique this is to Christianity? You may not know. I mean, if you're, grew up, if you're a church people, we don't get out a lot, right? But this is very unique to Christianity. Go ahead and look at other religions. You've got to, you know, be in this place at this time of year. You might have to own this sort of object. You might have to uh, face this direction or eat these types of foods. It, your ability... To love God is in part dependent on things outside of you that you can't control. I'm quarantined. I can't travel. Therefore, I'm out of favor with God? Not the one true God. Because God's greatest command on you is that you love him with all that is within you. We can fulfill the greatest commandment anytime, anywhere, under any circumstance. Worship then at its core, is your inmost heart, soul, and mind response to God. All of our physical actions in worship must originate from adoration from within. And here's the thing. No one can direct all the parts of you towards God for you. This is between you and God. I'm going to go off script for a minute. Uh, I mentioned this in the early service. I'll share it again with you. Something that I say to my worship team quite often. I've been doing worship leading and being involved with that a long time. I played violin in a Christmas service when I was four. That goes way back. Um, And I've been at New Hope near since the beginning. But... When I'm putting a team together and encouraging and trying to lead everybody into that process and maybe there's some discouragement pops up, maybe I picked a song that's too hard or something like that and, and the team needs to be encouraged. A lot of times, I, I, I'll say this. I go, hey, hey, team, team, shh, calm down. Look, worship is 5% song, maybe. Worship is 95% the heart of the people that are coming in to worship with us. The people of God are where the worship comes from. It comes from the Holy Spirit working in and through and within every one of you. As I stated earlier, I sit here and lead worship all the time. I feel less like I'm doing something, probably than you think. Feels like I'm not doing a thing. I'm watching something happen. That's what it feels like. All right. Now I got to find out where I was. All right. Oh, here we go. Speaking from an undivided heart of God's blessings in a way that brings Him glory, that makes Him look good, is the imperative, the command of Psalm 103. It's deploying all of what God has given in us for that end. I want to bring this all together. I know I've been skipping around a little bit. I want to bring it all together and point out to you what I personally believe to be the most powerful aspect of this call to worship. Bless the Lord, all my soul. And um, I want to talk to you a little bit about something that I see and believe to be something that's harmful about the way that we see ourselves in our culture right now. And I just want to pause and make sure I understand. I don't, I'm not about to talk to you. I'm, it's about to get a little salty in here, so I just want to make sure I'm not going to be upset with me. But I'm, I'm talking about what I see like in the country, the nation, our community at large, all right? Not necessarily in the church, but I think it creeps in, all right? So here's what I think is harmful to us. We have come to believe in our society and culture that we are some impenetrable fortress from influence, okay? Um, I, I talk to the youth kids about this sometimes, and this is how I frame it for them, be mindful of what or who you are idolizing or admiring. You be conscious of what you're doing because you know why. Um, it shows up a little bit more with young people, but so if they idolize like a pop star or a movie star or something, uh, a celebrity of any type, have you noticed that they tend to mimic that person? Like they may show up to youth group and they may have a pair of shoes on that they saw in some Instagram shot or maybe they like their hair, the style of the hair or they'll even start to pick up the language, the slang language that their idols are using back and forth to see how this works. And I warn them, be careful who you idolize because in some sense, you kind of become who that is. And here's the thing, you hope. I don't, this is not unique to young people. It's not. This is part of being a human being. You are influenceable. Now, again, this is, this is the, I, I, I want to say this, but I don't want to be upset at me, okay? This is kind of like just me speaking to the broader world. It's, kinda, it's like this, right? He's like, um, um, oh, not me. I can listen to anything I want. I can watch anything I want. I can hang out with anyone I want. I can treat myself to any pleasure I want. I am almighty me. Things don't bother me, and I shall make Netflix, Instagram, and Facebook my loyal subjects, and they shall serve me, right? I don't think so. I think you've got that backwards. At the very least, we are influenceable. Now, the warning again is to careful what you idolize. So church, why do you think God tells us again and again, bless the Lord, worship me, praise my holy name, idolize me? God wants us to idolize who? Jesus! Isn't that the point? We're supposed to be being made sanctified into an image of Christ. And this is one of the ways, this is one of the mechanisms God has designed for us to be able to live up to that. Why is God asking us to praise him, praise me, bless me, bless me? Let me newsflash, ready? It's not because God is insecure, He's fine. He's perfectly comfortable in his goodness, his graciousness, his mercy. We're not adding to him. We're not making him more confident in himself. He asks us to worship him because that is what is best for us. So church, let the blessings of God be your chief influencer. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Who's David talking to? Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. He's put out a cult of worship for his own soul. Do you ever face a difficult situation, maybe a task that you had at work, or anything? Maybe repairing a relationship, and and you, you just lack the confidence. You're kind of cowering away from it, and somebody comes alongside you, puts their arm around you, and speaks words of encouragement into you, and encourages you can do it. You can stand up. Remember this time in practice when you made that shot. You can do it. Remember that time. You can do it. And and those words of encouragement lift you up to a place where maybe we can even step up and face the task? Those words really matter. They changed you. Or ever uh, um, uh, been guilty of sin against someone and, and the shame and the guilt on you is weighty and you go to this person and you ask for forgiveness and not only does this person grant you forgiveness, but they encourage you in return They offer you more than just forgiveness. They offer you encouraging words. And those words restore you? Those words matter. Church, speak God's praise into your own soul. Speak God's praise into your own soul. Charles Spurgeon has a commentary on Psalm 103, and it's amazing. I underlined 40 different passages I Maybe wanted to quote for you, but I settled on this one. Listen to Charles Spurgeon on uh, our verse for today. The psalmist strikes the best keynote when he begins with stirring up his inmost self to magnify the Lord. He he so oh no, he soliloquizes. Oh come on, I just I did it before. Soliloquies? Whatever. Soliloquizes, thank you. Holds self communion and exhorts himself as though he felt that dullness would all too soon steal over his faculties, as indeed it will over all of us unless we are diligent on the watch. So, are you seeing the connection? Bless the Lord. encouraging words us can encouraging words can change us what can the blessings of the power of the words of god do how impactful are those words in influencing and changing you so here's the deal praise him that's the point remember recount his victories, his humble birth in Bethlehem, his teachings, his parables, which Mark will touch on and we'll get back to next week. His poise, remember the cross, remember the empty grave, the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sins, Re- uh, resurrection, justification, sanctification, the preservation of his living word, this God that protects you, that leads you, that lights your path. He restores your soul. He provides you shelter. He's your strong tower. These are the blessings of God. Um, Ever go to a wedding where they have that little folded card with your name on it in front of a thing? Well, here's a blessing. In heaven right now, they're preparing a wedding feast. And I imagine, I'm imagining somewhere up there, there is a card with a name on it for me. Now it's a new name. You know why it's a new name? It's a new name Because God is going to make something beautiful out of me in heaven that is so far exceeds the work he's doing on me right now that I will need a brand new name. And I just imagine there's somebody up there right now taking that card and placing it right where I'm going to be sitting someday. New hope, it's time to get good at blessing the Lord. Time to get good at speaking out loud the praises of God, of declaring his goodness, speaking it to ourselves, encouraging ourselves. Try it out. Put it on your schedule for a week. Why not? See if the process of blessing the Lord doesn't end up blessing you. To close, all I would like to do is read the next portion of this psalm. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful work. It really is. And the psalm continues in the act of blessing the Lord, just like the opening phrase states. I hope if you need encouragement here today, if you are discouraged, uh, maybe you're in something of a pit of despair. Maybe you're watching online. uh, Maybe you're afraid to be going out and about. I, I totally get it. We're gonna bless the Lord together. And I have faith in these words that they can encourage you in the power of his Holy Spirit and in the name of his son. I'm just gonna read this and then we'll pray and be done. Psalm 103, praise for the Lord's mercies, a Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who pardons all of your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Dear Lord, we ask in your name, build us into a church, a, a community of people eager to bless you, eager to share those blessings. May we be unashamed and undignified in our attempt um, to both encourage our own souls and each other to continue to bless you. Build us into a church eager for you. You pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. New Hope, it had been so good to be with you. God bless you. Have a great day.